Welcome to the Child Care Council's Chit Chat Podcast, where we talk about all things early childhood education and child care. I'm Courtney Jones. I'm a parent of two kids and by no means an expert on child care, but I know people that are. I'll be sitting down every week with experts to learn more myself and share my conversations with you. On today's episode, we're joined by Kim Polstein, Director of Mental Health Services at Brightside Up. We're going to be diving deep into some fresh new ideas to help you nurture yourself on a regular basis and incorporate new self-care into your routine. So let's jump in. One of the reasons why I wanted to reach out to you in the first place was in a conversation I had with some of your coworkers, they had talked about how you kind of spread these positive messages all around your office as a way to, in almost like a way of subliminal messaging of a way to make your day better. And I just, I, I really love that because that's the kind of thing that I need in my everyday life. I, I feel like I am the first person who says that you need to make sure you're practicing self-care, but I never take, exactly. I don't take my own advice. And on top of that, I am almost a curmudgeon old man. Oh, same. Because because if you say self-care to me, I'm going to think, well, I I don't like yoga, so I'm not going to do yoga. And that's the only way in my head. It's like the journaling and yoga are the first things that come to my mind when I think of self-care or meditation, which automatically turns into my brain like I'm going to do the opposite of meditate because that's just how my brain works. (laughs) So um, I just love that you found all of these ways to make it part of your everyday life. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the messages that you have included around the office? So we have created um, mindful moment cards. We have them branded so that they're colorful and they're inviting. And they're one or two sentence, maybe three sentence, simple tips. They're all a little bit different. And some focus on things like, um, like the meditation, right? So one of them is, you know, imagine a safe space or go to the center of yourself. And it's kind of like a guided meditation. Um, and I post them on the back of bathroom stalls. I post them at the microwave. I post them at the water cooler, like places where I know people will go. So the copy machine is a big one. Um, And some of them are just like, take the long way back to your desk. When you get to the copy machine, take our office is just kind of big concentric squares, but you could really just take a couple loops. So instead of taking that one way right back to your desk, take the long way and get a few extra steps get away from your screen a little bit um, and just kind of recenter. But some of them focus a little bit more on, you know, practice some deep breathing. And when you're breathing, focus on full inhales and longer exhales because there's a lot of science behind the exhale being the regulating breath and, you know, the stimulating the vagus nerve to shut down fight or flight. So I kind of weave in the science that I know from, um, my own yoga practice. Cause I know you said you don't like yoga. I do like yoga. I hate to run. My brain likes to run, but my knees and my asthma do not. So, um, I practice a little bit of both, but I, I take a lot of what I've learned in all of those classes in my social work practice and through all of the trauma work and kind of weave them into something that I know anyone of any ability can do really quickly while they're also at work. Um, So it would never be like, you know, get on the floor and do six full wheels in the middle of the kitchen. Like that's not something that um, someone might be able to do or that someone is going to do while they're also trying to get their their workday done. 
So they're really just short one or two minutes. Um, right now, the thing that's been posted around the office, and it's been up for quite some time, so I'm looking to change it out, is just reminding the my coworkers that there are different types of rest. So the the fact sheet is called nine types of rest, and we list out the different kinds of rest. So sometimes I'll hear, gosh, I'm so tired, I'm so exhausted, and you're sleeping a lot. Or maybe not, but oftentimes for me, I'm most exhausted when I'm also sleeping a lot because it's it's a different kind of exhaustion. So I might not be physically tired, but I'm emotionally drained. So I I've prompted the um, my coworkers to think about: Is this the type of tired that a nap is going to fix? And if not, then don't take a nap. <laughs> then go do something creative. Go take a walk. Go socialize with someone. Like find the piece that's missing and take the rest that refuels that part of you. Does that make sense? I, absolutely, it does. And I love that it almost. So one of the things that I really need in my life is I need to be tricked into it. So when mm-hmm. I do exercise, I need to be tricked into it, which is why I love. We have a family horse farm, so I love doing barn work because it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of exercise, but you don't think of it being exercise when you're slinging a hay bale, you're just thinking of it. So I love being tricked into things. And I love that all of those restorative practices really just trick you into taking that time for yourself when you wouldn't necessarily realize it. So what kind of tired are you? Let's think about it. And will a nap fix that? It's just turning that lens on it. And I absolutely love that to try and really kind of feel out where the source is and what's a better use of this time to fill your bucket back up again. Um, You talked about the science that you know through things. I'd love to hear you explain some more on some of the common practices that we always hear about for those restorative practices. Why are these things so common? Why do we hear them? You know, are common things like journaling, meditation, yoga, why do they come up so often? I they think they come up so often because they work. Um, and there's a lot of science behind it. But I, I think when we think about self-care, we kind of push it to two sort of extremes. Whenever I ask someone about self-care, the, one of the first things that I get is like, girls night with bottles of wine and, and chocolate and bubble baths and face masks and like things, tangible things that you have to buy. Or it's like a yogi on a mountaintop meditating alone in the Himalayas. Like there is no in between. And I, I think that the the misconception around self-care is a little bit dangerous that way. Um, but we hear about the yoga and the meditation and the journaling because they work when we use them appropriately and when they work for us. So if you hate yoga, but you like to run, then run. <laughs> don't don't use yoga. Um, really, I think what it boils down to is mindfulness. So being able to tune into the internal state and thinking a little bit more about stress being separate from stressors. So stressors are things like work, um, war, global pandemics, uh, bills piling up, Husbands leaving their socks next to the hampers and then putting them in the hamper. Children leaving their toys around the house. Like those are all stressors, but the stress is what happens in your body. So the stress is the the flood of cortisol and adrenaline and and those kind of stress hormones that push our body into a, a physiological state of reaction. And the mindfulness activities help us to pull in and say, oh, 
something's going on here. Now you may be able to control the stressor. You may be able to say, put your socks in the hamper or, um, you know, change the oil in your car, but you might not stop a blizzard from happening. Like there are certain things that you can't do about the, the stressor. But if you don't do anything about the stress, then you're going to get sick from it, right? Or you can get sick from it. So when we're thinking about the the common practices with self-care, the first one that comes up all the time is yoga. I think what makes yoga so impactful is that it combines movement with mindfulness and breath work. So you're really integrating all of your sensory experiences and you're really tuning in it's, it's much more about your practice than hitting every pose the right way or being able to do the hardest pose or, you know, the, the girl next to me is upside down on her head and I'm just trying to like breathe through child's pose. So it's really individualized and it's really focused more on, on managing internal state. But you can get that same hormonal shift from that cortisol and adrenaline that you get from moving your body slowly and mindfully through yoga by going for a run or going for a walk. So as long as we're kind of mindful about the fact that stress is there, whether the stressor is there or not, and that we have to manage it, we can kind of, I I call it like body language, like talk to your body in its own language. And it's best when it's movement. So even if you're just taking a short walk around your house or just once around the block, that movement, um, that regulating movement, you had mentioned slinging a bale of hay, So that brings in, you know, you're crossing the midline and you're using big muscles and you're engaging your body in work that signals to your brain that you are safe and you're able to regulate and then re-engage socially. I like to shovel. I like to scrape the snow off my car. Like I'm, I'm a little weird like that, but I like (laughs) the idea of like, if I come home from a really emotionally draining day, I'm going to pick the the shovel over the snowblower unless I physically can't move the snow because that kind of movement is regulating and I might not be able to talk it out with anybody or I might not want to talk it out with anybody because I'm exhausted. But that kind of movement helps me to get the stress out of my body, whether that stressor is there waiting for me in the office tomorrow or not. I think what's so scary about meditation for folks is the idea that they have to silence their mind. And that's impossible. Like, I don't think that that is helpful when we're talking about meditation, because that's not really what meditation is about. And I did not know that until I started doing um, Baptiste yoga in the capital district. One of my yoga instructors was really good at reminding me that when a thought comes in, you can say, oh, look, I'm having a thought. And then you can return to your internal state. And just say, oh, look, I'm thinking about what shoes I'm going to wear later again. Okay, you've drifted. Breathe. And then just kind of focusing on coming back to your breath so that you practice getting good at meditation. Like there's no way for you to sit down your very first meditation for 20 minutes and have it be silent in your head. Like that's just not realistic. That's a great point to bring up with meditation is that number one, it takes practice. And number Mm -hmm. two, this is all natural part of even the people that know what they're doing. It's part of something that just is still Cognition happens, right? Yeah. You, You think about things, your mind wanders, especially when you have a lot on your mind. And I think right now we all do. In our agency, we've even just stopped using the term self-care because it puts a lot of pressure on folks. And I think it's starting to feel really preachy 
like, oh, make sure you do your self-care. And it's like, okay, how? I'm a little tired. But really changing that, reframing that into how am I going to nourish myself today? And thinking of everything like a practice, which is hard because I'm the type of person who likes to be good at something right away. And if I'm not, I don't want to do it. So this is hard for me. And I think because I know it's so important, that's what helps me keep practicing it. But there was three kind of buckets that we really started to talk about, or three practices, really, non-judgment, non-attachment, and non-reaction. So we're, you know, having these thoughts and these feelings, and we're trying to practice not putting a judgment on them, because there are going to be days where your your self-nourishing practices are really easy, and there are going to be days where you cannot get yourself to take a deep breath, no matter how hard you try, and Instead of putting the judgment on it, for example, with the meditation, like I started thinking about what boots I'm going to wear later. Oh gosh, I'm so bad at this. Just being able to remove the the good or the bad judgment around our own feelings and our own experiences. I know a lot of people are starting to feel bad that they feel tired. You know, we're exhausted. We've we've hit a wall of decision fatigue. We've hit a wall of like emotional stress, of cognitive fatigue. Like we're just in a place where everyone's feeling really drained. And there's guilt around that. There's shame around that. There's guilt and shame around taking time for yourself. You know, sometimes we see that as a selfish thing to do. But I think practicing non-judgment towards ourselves for I had a bad day and just saying, Today was a hard day. Instead of a good day or a bad day, today was hard. These are the things that I felt. And not attaching to outcomes, right? So I'm going to practice meditation today and I'm going to set a timer for three minutes and I'm going to have a thought and it's going to get into my head and I'm going to feel bad about it. I'm going to acknowledge that it happened. I'm going to try not to judge myself or I'm going to judge myself, catch it and then reframe it. So I'm going to say like, oh gosh, I really suck at this. And then I'm going to stop and say, meditation is hard for me. This is new. And then not attaching to the outcome of it being a good session or a bad session, but I made it to three minutes. I love that. And I think that you're absolutely right of we've just hit this wall. Mm -hmm. So we really need to, I know I feel like I'm at the point where I'm trying to just find anything that's new that I haven't tried. I love how how you've mentioned learning your own love language. You had mentioned it in a different way, yes. but but looking at yourself and taking yourself into that and mm-hmm. recognizing your personality as you're moving through these things mm-hmm. and how you like going into a meditation, you might understand that my mind is going to drift, but I know I can pull myself back in or knowing that yoga might not work for me, but running will. Maybe journaling proper won't work for me, but a guided journal will. So like knowing who you are and saying, let's not just rule this out yet. Maybe let's find a workaround of something that's similar or related to get you there. And it's interesting because I heard you pass a judgment and I don't even know if you caught it, but you said journaling proper. So who decided what's the right way to journal? And I know when I started my, my Baptiste practice with the, the yoga community in Albany, one of my biggest problems was journaling. I hated it. I didn't know what to write. I didn't know what tense to write it in. Was I writing to myself? Was I writing to someone else? Like, And then it was like, well, who decided how journals should be? And I like making lists. So that's how I journal. I don't journal in paragraph form. I write down three things I'm grateful for. 
because I'm practicing gratitude. And then I draw a lot of pictures. So I'll gauge my, my battery level in the morning. How full is my battery today in the morning? And then how full is it when I get home? And, you know, did it fill up from work? Was work fulfilling? Did it drain it? Do I need to do something to refill my battery today? And leaving yourself lists or notes. My boyfriend has gotten me clear post-it notes so I can put them over things and take notes right on top of my Brene Brown books, which is just like a, a godsend. But putting them up on the mirror with just like a nice message to yourself every morning. So you're tricking yourself into being kind to yourself, which I, I think that. is hard. We're our, our toughest critics. And I think women especially have a hard time looking in the mirror and not pointing out 52 things that are wrong before we point out the one thing that we like. So like leave yourself some notes, put them in the places where you normally go. So every morning, you know, I go downstairs, I take a shower and then coffee has to be made. So I'm going to leave notes in the bathroom and I'm going to leave notes by the coffee pot. And sometimes, you know, I, I was a preschool teacher for seven years. Sometimes I need the support of a visual schedule. And, you know, I'm 30 years old and there are some days where life is hard, depression is strong, anxiety is there. And I need to make a list to say, you have to eat breakfast today. You have to clean the dishes when you get home from work, you know, play with the cats for a little while. That always makes you feel good. Put your workout clothes out now, because when you get home from work, you're not going to want to go get them and then put them on and then go for it. It's the getting ready. That's the hard part. It's not the actual going to yoga, but I don't want to do those things. So I take care of it when my battery is more full so that it's ready. And then you're kind of tricking yourself into it, but there's no right or wrong way to do self-care. There's no right or wrong way. Well, there might be a wrong way to nourish yourself, or there might be ways to nourish yourself that are maladaptive. So like stress eating was a big one for me. Thank you, Oreos, for getting me through the pandemic, but none of my pants fit. So nourishing yourself with healthy food, because that actually will help regulate your hormones and your sleep cycle. But, you know, a handful of Oreo gives you a dopamine kick, and that feels really good. So being able to notice what makes me feel really good and for how long, because those Oreos make me feel real good for 10 minutes and then I'm sick. (laughs) Those things I'm like taking notice of what makes you feel good and then writing them down and putting it somewhere, even if it feels like I'm a 40 year old woman, I shouldn't have to put like a a post-it note of what makes me feel good on my kitchen cabinet. But sometimes we need that visual reminder, right? And I think if it's going to help you do it, do it. And I love that you, number one, where you're really meeting yourself where you are. Exactly. And I, I absolutely love that. And conveniently, a lot of the things that you're bringing up are like, oh yeah, that's me. Okay, that's uh-huh. me. With the coffee, with the, with the post-it notes, I was like, okay, this is too good to be true. And then you went into the Oreos and I'm like, okay, so we're specifically talking about me here. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> um, but no, I think it's really important to meet yourself where you are because you know mm-hmm. yourself better than anybody else. Exactly. So for me, you know, having that coffee ready in the morning and I know that it's got to be ready the night before because in the morning, there isn't time. So when you know who you are and you know what's going to refill your cup and you need to make sure that that's going to happen in order for you to start your day with your full battery, prep it, have it ready, have yourself in mind when you've got your battery at its fullest Mm. and see what you can do to make your life easier for the next day, the next week. I think you bring up a good point with time too. And, And one of my biggest nourishing practices or self-care practices, whatever you want to call it, is learning to value my time. 
And that's really, really hard because I don't think we're ever taught that. But one of the one of the things that you said, it was like, there's no time in the morning because I have to get X, Y, and Z done. And are you taking care of other people in the morning? Because I, I know you had mentioned you have kids. Always. So yes. you're giving a lot of yourself right off the bat. Who takes care of you? So sometimes it's me. Like I take care of me. Sometimes my boyfriend takes care of me. Sometimes my boss takes care of me. But a lot of times, especially as caregivers, we are the ones who kind of bear the brunt of all of the caregiving responsibilities, but you can't be the very best mom on a 1% battery, right? And right. and there's that that fun analogy that came out a while ago, but like you would never let your phone get down to 2%. Why do you let yourself get down to 2%? But there's also this fun concept that is not taught I don't think it's taught. It's definitely not taught to women enough, but it's this fun word called no. Full stop, (laughs) period. That's the full (laughs) sentence. How often do we practice saying no or not yet or not now? And how, how do we prioritize our time to make sure that there is time for ourselves? So when we're thinking about these practices, are we putting them on a calendar with the same level of importance as the deadline in the office? or the OCFS license visit, or, you know, when's your healthcare consultancy plan? That's on the calendar. Why are we not putting our lunch breaks on the calendar? Why are we not putting our sleep on the calendar or putting on the calendar time to go for a run after work, if that's your thing? Being able to find moments, literally just moments. Like when you go from one job to the next job, get there, if you can, three and a half minutes early and sit in the parking lot and just breathe alone in the silence. Don't turn on another podcast talking about what's going on in the world. Don't listen to the news. Practice good um, boundaries around media and social media because there's a lot of expectation on social media that gets put on people, whether they know it or not. Um, But learning to say no to our children sometimes, to our husbands, to our wives, to be able to say we got to order out tonight. I don't have it in me. My battery is at 2%. You know, learning to to speak in that language with each other to help find a common language, whether you use a battery analogy or the spoons analogy. I was taught um, by one of my coworkers, you know, if you wake up in the morning and you have 10 spoons, it might take you five just to get out the door in the morning. Then you only have five left for the whole rest of the day. If you come home from work and you've got one left, what are you going to use it on? And how do you kind of reset? So prioritizing your time, saying no. If you mean no, say no. Like if you are not going to go to that thing, don't say, oh, you know, maybe I'll try to fit it in. Just say no. I love that. And I think going along with that, treating your own feelings like you would treat the other person's feelings. Like you have to consider like weighing the, will I hurt this person's feelings if I say no versus your own feelings of, am I hurting my own feelings by saying yes? So weighing that perfect and putting it with that conversation and really prioritizing how many spoons do I have left today? And how many is it going to take out of me to say yes? To say yes. I think that's really the key to self-care is like, why would I give it to everybody else and not myself? Right. And I know that we, um, in our work with child care providers, you certainly see a lot of that, you know, by nature, that population, our population of child care providers are givers, they're carers, yeah. but 
90% of the time, it's always for the others and not for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it it's a hard habit to break. Big time. But it's extremely worthy. And, you know, it's it's all part of that bigger picture, too, of when your bucket is full, when your battery is full, you have more to give back. Absolutely. I love the, the word intention because even just setting an intention for your day helps you to kind of stick toward that. And if you are setting positive intentions, you're more likely to have a more positive day. But also that piece of like you're you're not functioning from your frazzled brain when you've depleted all of your battery and you are kind of functioning in this fight or flight, like constant reactive stage, the frontal lobe of your brain is not functioning the way that it could be or should be in order to make really hard decisions or to be able to care for children the right way or to care for others the the quote unquote right way. So if we're not able to pull ourselves back into the frontal lobe and we're stuck in this kind of emotion brain survival brain then we, we can't do our jobs well anyway. And right. the, the amount of, you know, I'm a trainer, the amount of times that I've been called in for corrective action training or, you know, someone left a child outside on the playground, like all of these mistakes happen when we are under an enormous amount of stress. Because right. I'll ask the provider, what's the ratio? And they know it off the top of their head. They know it. So it's not that they don't know the reg. It's that something happened that prevented them from being able to execute the reg. And most of the time it's, I'm so stressed out. I didn't, I didn't do a face to name. I did a quick head count and we walked inside because we were late and we had to get to the next thing, right? We, we have these expectations from the outside, whether they're real or perceived, um, cause some of them are real, like OCFS regulations are real and they, they must be followed, but time is a little bit of a construct. And yep. I think, you know, we, we get bogged down and like, it's, it's time for snack. Oh my gosh. Snack will be there. Like we can cut something out or move something around, have a conversation about what you were going to talk about during small group at snack, but slowing ourselves down so that we can be intentional versus quick reactions where we start to lose that executive functioning and that's where mistakes start to happen. And, you know, practicing that, that non-judgment of like, we're going to be late. That's okay. Snack will happen. Children will get fed. We're going to take our time walking inside because it's a beautiful day outside. And this feels really good for all of us to be in community versus all of us to be rushing down the hallway to sit in plastic chairs and eat some crackers. I love that. And that's it. Everything kind of circles in on itself too, because that's also a boundary. Yeah. I know my boundary and I know that it's more important to be this than this right now. Yeah. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on what are some great ways to make use of those small moments, whether it's, I know that I've got to be in the car for 45 minutes while I'm picking up my kids at school, or I know that I've got to go to X, Y, and Z places as soon as parents pick up their kids, or I know that I've got 20 minutes that I've got to shovel outside before the kids start showing up at childcare. So, but the first thing that I thought of was, you know, when you pull in the driveway after a long day of work and you just don't get out of your car for a little while, you're like hiding in the car. That's, that's your moment, right? Uh, every time you go to the bathroom, that could be your moment. So leaving yourselves little tips and reminders. So for example, um, keeping an app, a journaling app on your phone, a meditation app on your phone. There's a wonderful app called Mood Meter, which really helps adults learn about emotional intelligence to track their own moods and to sort of figure out um, emotional uh, granularity and, and figuring out those real nuanced differences between like happy and content and, you know, those kind of things. 
but also just keeping like a journal in your car so that when you get from point A to point B and you have two minutes to just sit and breathe, okay, I got to make a list of the things that I don't want to forget, but that I don't have the time to do right now. And then like the three things that I was really grateful for on the the drive over or the three kind things I'm going to say about myself before I go walk into this next thing. Like I am ready, I am prepared and I can handle this. Like it doesn't always have to be I am lovely and I am perfect. Like it it doesn't always have to be so Cinderella. It can be like, I am strong. I am smart. I am capable. I can do this. Like, let's go like fire up. When you were talking about, I've got 20 minutes to shovel before the kids get here for daycare, put your headphones in, crank up some Beyonce or whatever kind of hype music. Like I'm a country girl, but every once in a while I'm like, Beyonce now, like Destiny (laughs) Child. I'm like old school. Give me some sync. Give me the nostalgia, dance it out while you're doing the thing. So you're doing this chore, but you're making it something that's also fulfilling for you. But again, bringing in that physical movement. So every time you go to the bathroom, do five jumping jacks, do five squats, push up against the wall a little bit, even just twice or stretch. You'd be amazed at how many squats you'd get done if every time you went to the bathroom, you did 10 squats. Like your legs are going to be so strong by the end of the month or every time you went to wash. Think about how many times childcare providers have to wash their hands. While you're washing your hands, do five calf raises or stretch your arms above your head and take one big inhale and then one big exhale as you bring them down and, and start to notice like how you start to seek out those kind of things and work them into, okay, well, every time I wash my hands, it feels really good when I stretch. So I'm just going to stretch during circle time. I'm just going to stretch during small group. Like how much better you start to feel, you'll start to be able to build it in in more, like more intentional ways. But I think at first it has to be scheduled like you would introduce a new skill to a child. You're doing the same thing for yourself. You might need a visual reminder. You might need an accountability buddy. I think that's one of my favorite, one of my favorite um, ways to connect with someone is, hey, I want to get better at this. I said, I'm going to wake up every morning and do yoga. So by 630 in the morning, text me to make sure I've done it or that I'm at least awake. And then now I'm accountable to this person too. We're doing this together. I don't want to let her down. I don't want to let him down, but I'm also trying to not let myself down. And I can now find social connection. We can get creative while we're doing this. And we're both doing things that are good for ourselves. I love that. And I absolutely think that, you know, we, child childcare providers particular, it can be kind of isolating. So yeah. having that connection with somebody else to be like, okay, we're doing this. You know, you and I, we're going to do this every morning before the kids get there is a great way to build that connectivity and that reinforces those good habits. And something else that you just mentioned, I, I, I just enjoy it so much because we always talk about how reminding people that children are still people and learning things is tough. And things is hard. And people are people. So learning things is hard and giving the same grace and time to yourself that you would give to a child that's learning a new skill is fundamental for these kind of practices. Because if you are starting from scratch, you need that for yourself because you're doing this for the best of yourself and it's not going to be perfect right out the gate. And it's practice practice like exercise builds muscle. This is building 
the, the nourishing muscle, right? This is your self-care muscle. You need to flex it often in order for it to grow. You, there's the difference between motivation and discipline, right? There are some days where I don't have the motivation to do it, but the discipline says we're going to do it anyway. And it might suck. I might be angry the whole time. Like there's been times where I've rolled out my yoga mat and have just like cursed through the entire time. I'm like yelling at yoga and at, um, with Adrian on YouTube as if she has somehow personally offended me, but I don't want to do it. And then at the end of the 30 minutes, I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. That was great. I flexed that muscle. I did the thing, even just cleaning the dishes, right? That could be an act of self-care. If having a cluttered kitchen makes you feel really anxious, cleaning the dishes is a really good mindless, rhythmic motion that stimulates your nervous system, gets you all back into it the same way that shoveling snow does. And it doesn't take a lot of emotional effort or, or thought to be able to do. So that could be your simple like, hey, I need to, instead of loading the dishwasher every night, I need to scrub a few dishes first because that's going to actually just help me get some of this out. And I might not like it, but it makes me feel good. And I'm going to practice doing that thing over and over and over. One of my things that I love to do along with washing the dishes like that is plug in. I love that the library, you can rent audiobooks through yes. the library now and just listening to audiobooks while doing the dishes so that I know like, I know I no longer have an excuse that I can't read a ton of yep. books every year because I can listen to audiobooks and I don't have an excuse that I can't afford them because it's a library it's book. A library. So it gives me that like excuse to give that time to myself to listen to those books. It's a very fulfilling practice yeah. for me and I am going to make sure that that is part of my day every day now because you told me I could. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to challenge your language too. It's not an excuse to do it, it's permission to do it, right? You're giving Ooh, yourself yeah. permission to read for fun and you're taking a mental break, right? So it's like when I talked about the nine types of rest, you might need a thinking break. You need to think about other things. So now you can be cognitively engaged with this story versus cognitively engaged with the 83 emails in your inbox, right? It's a different, it's the same part of your brain, but it's different, right? Absolutely. I love that. And thank you for, for challenging I think that, you know, we all need, we all need a flip on our, our switches every once in a while. And there's been a couple of things that you've said in this conversation that have challenged just the way that I view myself and my, my world. And I really appreciate you taking the time to do that for, for me and for everybody who's going to listen to this podcast. I love it. I love it. I have one more thing. I actually read it this morning because part of this, this is a book called journey into uh, journey to the heart. And this was actually one of the the books that I was using during those self-care Saturdays that I had mentioned. So if it's all right with you, I'd love to just be able to to sort of close out by reading the passage today. Absolutely. Great. So, and again, the the book is Journey to the Heart. You can link it and I'll send you the the link and you can link it for everybody. But it's Learn to Help Heal Yourself. And the the author writes, I feel a heaviness in my lungs, almost a pain. The next day I find myself crying, discharging old grief and sadness. On another occasion, I feel sharp pains in my stomach. Within days, denied rage begins to surface and the pain subsides. My head aches, my head aches, pounds, throbs. Hours later, I feel the fear I've been running from. I feel the energy in my body shifting, moving, and taking new shape over the next months. I'm led into a cycle, a new season in my life. Some of the pains and illnesses we suffer from are indications of acute physical problems. They're signs that our body had, had broken down and we need medical attention. 
But many of the aches and pains we experience are symptoms of, of a deeper process, a process of healing and cleansing our heart and soul. As we go through our daily experiences, circumstances will trigger this healing. Someone says something that makes us feel angry or afraid, which triggers a feeling similar to the one we repressed years ago. Or a conversation causes us to remember something that hurt us long ago. Our body begins to release the pain of that old emotion. Sometimes our aches and pains are signals that some emotion is ready to surface. We need to acknowledge the feeling, feel the energy, let it pass through us, then watch for the lesson to appear and the pain to dissipate. If we are committed to a path of spiritual growth, our bodies will soon begin to use everything that happens as a vehicle for healing. Trust yourself and listen. You'll know what to do. You'll find healers and help that will support you as you continue to discover to trust your soul. Remember to trust the simple everyday wisdom of your body. It's a barometer for your soul. And I think that really just ties in the whole piece of us being able to not always separate the stress and the stressors, but our body is keeping score, right? And our, our body is holding on to things. So they will come out in certain ways and we can choose to let it build up and, and take time for illness, or we can schedule time for wellness and, and practice this journey, whether you consider it spiritual growth or um, self-care or nourishment, um, or physical. Yeah, it's it's all connected. Our our mental wellness, our mental health, and our physical health are so interwoven that we can't really have one without the other. And I just happened to read that this morning and was like, well, that Perfect. sums it all up, doesn't it? Serendipitous. I'm so, so glad that because I feel like it was almost a mic drop here. Right. <laughs> I, I love that so much. And I'm so grateful that you were share you were able to share that with us. And I I I've I'm almost without words here. Yeah. <laughs> and you can sit, you can sit in without words later and just kind of soak it all in and do some reflection. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to, I think, because <laughs> that's just how I feel right now. So wonderful. I I really, really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know everyone is going to get a lot out of listening to this podcast because of you. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on.